0: Good morning, and let me add my words of welcome. Uh, If we have not met, my name is Jim Connor. also privileged to be one of the pastors here at the First United Methodist Church of Mansfield, Texas. Uh, It's good to be here today because uh, last weekend I I traveled home to Chicago uh, to be with my mom and family for Thanksgiving, uh, and I wasn't sure I would make it back here. I have a picture, which, uh, you know, there's, there's... So was I, there was about 12 inches of snow, Um, made it to the airport uh, about five hours before the plane was supposed to get off on Sunday evening, actually got a chance to get on the plane, uh, and was there for a good 12 minutes before they asked us to get off the plane. (laughs) They said there were 400 cots that they were offering for those uh, who had no place to go, um, but uh, managed to um, take a shuttle. Three miles, 45 minutes to a hotel for four hours and a shower. Uh, get back early enough to wait another eight hours. Uh, and this is, uh, this is truly the art of, of modern science. Uh, that's de-icing. Uh, that very well could have been my American pl- the American Airlines plane I, I jumped on. Um, but uh, when I was in Chicago, uh, it just reminded me of what I had learned there, that icy is the easiest word to spell in the English language. Um, I see why. I hope you could as well. Uh, I think that worked better on paper, but let me, uh, let, me, let me try a little harder with these three Christmas puns. What's the forecast for Christmas Eve? It calls for rain, dear. We, uh, ice to rain, here we go. Uh, what did the English teacher call Santa's little helpers? subordinate clauses. <laughs> and uh, finally, why did the doctor report, what did their doctor report after seeing Jesus in the manger? He said he's in stable condition. <laughs> wait, wait, no, no, please. Yeah, yeah. No, I I won't go any shorter, just because you clap. Uh, As we uh, move into the Advent and Christmas season, uh, I'm reminded of uh, Reinold Niebuhr, one of the great American theologians who confessed that on Christmas Eve, he and his wife uh, would try to avoid attending a church where they thought there was likely to be a sermon. They actually, they would choose a a very high liturgical church, an Episcopalian church, a Roman Catholic church, uh, where the liturgy and the music would would carry the weight of the service. Uh, His belief was that no preacher is up to the task of preaching on Christmas Eve. Um, And while he's probably right, um, and while there might be some pastors who would gladly uh, turn it over to the choir, orchestra, and bells, which obviously would be a very wise decision here. uh, many Methodists don't feel like they've been to church unless they hear a sermon, so far be it for me to break that tradition. Would, would you pray with me? Let now the words from my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and minds be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, amen. Traditions are incredibly important at Christmas. Uh, the series we are starting this morning, This is Christmas. It's about being intentional with naming and claiming our Christmas moments and traditions. What does Christmas look like to you? The reason I believe that we all know about Christmas is because others have made Christ known to us. And so our question to be answered throughout these weeks and even beyond is how can we make Christ known to others through our traditions? Many of us have fond memories of of childhood, Christmas holidays. Uh, Some of us have children or grandchildren or nieces or nephews that we want to build memories with. And so I wanna offer just a a few suggestions of some traditions you might consider implementing uh, if you aren't already. The first would be reading the Christmas story. And the Christmas story I'm talking about is Luke 2, uh, one to 20, uh, to read it on Christmas morning. Uh, You can pass it around for those gathered with you. Uh, You can read it uh, yourself. I can tell you that, that for me, and, and it needs to be the revised standard version of the King James Version. Um, and the reason that's that way for me is because my, my wonderful grandmother, born 1903, uh, December 31st, Jenny Gertrude Johnson Stromberg, a Swede through and through, um, would read that scripture, uh, and she wouldn't read it. she knew it by heart. And when she started reading it, um, it was Christmas. And those words, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be enrolled. And this was the first enrollment when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all all went to be enrolled each to their own city. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be enrolled with Mary, his betrothed, betrothed, who was great with child. That sounds a lot better than being pregnant. She was great with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to be delivered. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. If you read that story, if you read those versions of that story, it is Christmas. It is that story which I think is, is written upon our hearts for those of us who grew up in, in the faith, who grew up going to one or multiple Christmas Eve services, that wonderful second chapter of Luke, which tells it like it was. Uh, You can attend a Christmas Eve service or two or several of the 11 uh, that we have to offer here uh, at this church. But if you're not here, if you're not in town, find a Christmas Eve service wherever you are. Uh, We haven't cornered the market or, or claimed exclusive rights on meaningful Christmas Eve services. Those services are beautiful. They're sacred. They're wonderful experiences of God's gift of love to us. I know those services are that way here, and I'm sure they are wherever you will be, so find one. Uh, Watch some Christmas movies. Um, By the way, the underlying event in all this is to do this together, okay? But uh, watch some Christmas movies. Uh, There are many Christmas movies you can enjoy. Uh, Die Hard doesn't count, uh, but... (laughs) But It's a Wonderful Life counts double. Um, Handel's Messiah, if you haven't been part of that, uh, find a way to watch, listen or to attend and participate in a performance of this incredible gift of music uh, which will actually be on the ninth here in our sanctuary. Uh, attend a Christmas pageant. Uh, there's something ador- adorable and wonderful about seeing our children dressed as Mary and Joseph and. Angels and shepherds and wise men and cows and sheep and uh, all kinds of other animals. And while there's competition to to have those lead roles um, at a church our size where there are plenty of people, uh, we expand the size of the flocks of sheep, the shepherds, the angels, so everyone has a part. The best part of those often is the the children who go off script or go wandering uh, around the sanctuary. Uh, They make for some wonderful memories. And if you can't be at one of the the pageants uh, in person, pick up a copy of Barbara Robinson's The Best Christmas Pageant Ever. Uh, It'll make you smile. Uh, Christmas decorations, another tradition. It's never really been my area of expertise. Uh, I was uh, kind of a a Ebenezer Scrooge. I really put up a Christmas tree two days before Christmas, took it down shortly thereafter. Uh, Wasn't big on the ornaments, put up lights, Uh, but I've changed. Um, And and so go at it. Hang your tree and your lights and your ornaments and your wreaths and um, put your stockings up on, on the chimney, uh, but don't get carried away. And by that, that, I mean, sometimes simpler is better, but don't get carried away by carrying too many boxes down from the, the space and you, and you trip and fall and break something. Uh, this is not the season when you want to be hobbling. But of all the things that you have to decorate, if you don't have one, get a nativity set, or a nativity scene. Uh, on the front of the the altar, uh, on your left, my right, uh, is a carved piece of olive wood uh, that I brought back from, from Bethlehem. Uh, we had the chance to go to Israel, many of us did uh, earlier this year. And to me, uh, it's, it's a beautiful piece. What's the best part about it is I can't lose it. It's one big piece, uh, it's all together. But a nativity tells a story. Uh, that's why we have Christmas, uh, because of, of that first scene. Uh, so make sure that's part of your, your decorations. Another tradition is gift giving. Uh, most people participate in that tradition, the tradition of giving gifts. Uh, but this year, if you haven't already started doing so, um, find a needy family or find an organization uh, that you can, again, give to. Uh, understand the Mansfield Mission Center uh, does incredible work uh, with with your gifts. Uh, I'll, I'll let you know the church also would be willing to accept your gifts and, and make good use of them. But but be intentional and make a gift that's really personal. Uh, get involved and, and just see what joy that brings not only to the person that you bless, uh, but to you as well. I'm gonna visit this a little later. Uh, those are seven quick traditions to start you thinking. I know you have plenty more, uh, but remember that the reason behind these, behind these traditions is to help us make Christ known to others. So the traditions that you do in your family, if you don't talk about why you do them, then you're missing the point. Uh, they're wonderful celebrations, don't get me wrong, but explain why you do what you do and why it's important to you and why it should important be important to everyone else. Our gospel lesson for this morning is a unique version of the Christmas story. It's taken from the, the first chapter of John, the, the first, uh, we're going to read the first eight verses as they appear on the screen uh, in front of you. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, Now that may sound like a pretty different um, version of the Christmas story. There's no angels, shepherds, there's no baby, there's no Mary and Joseph, and that's exactly right. John starts his gospel with this incredible theological uh, statement that suggests that uh, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was God. He emphasizes Jesus' divine status uh, as being that of God and being fully God. As you think through the years of the different councils and the different folks who argued about what would be in faith statements, Um, John 1, one through five, it's there. It talks about the nature of the Trinity and the the cohesiveness of that and the Holy Spirit as it's talked about in John 14. uh, The Gospel of John really does give us our, our clearest understanding of the nature of the Trinity. But it does especially give us a clear understanding of of Jesus and and who Jesus was. And Jesus was the light that was shining in the darkness. And it's a light that John tells us can never be overcome. Uh, The theme of light reverberates uh, and continues throughout the whole Gospel of John. And that's because like then and now, darkness has a way of threatening to cast its shadow. And fortunately, light always has a way of pushing back. Every one of us here this morning, I suspect, has known darkness or knows darkness of some kind this season, Uh, the loss of someone dear to us, the fear about what is to come of us, illness or anxiety about our families, our nature, what's going on at the border, uh, about our future. Uh, There are many kinds of of darkness stories that, that are part of our lives. But in this story from John, there is light shining in whatever darkness offers to us. Darkness can never overcome it. John continues in the verses that go through 18, the verses nine and 10 say that the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And what a tragedy that was, and and John just clearly wants us to understand uh, that it is imperative uh, that we share him because we have received him, we have recognized him, and we have a world out there that is much in need of that kind of light, that kind of joy, that kind of forgiveness, that kind of healing, that the true light that we know is the word, the one that we know is Jesus, came to bring what uh, what we need to do with this though is is decide uh, how it affects not only us individually but how it affects us as a church uh, at a church our size um, sometimes it's easy to be anonymous I'm so grateful uh, with the amount of involvement uh, most of you almost all of you are involved in small groups and I, I look in the atrium and see the gifts have been brought back for the angel tree and and, and think of all of the wonderful things that you do to, uh, to connect with others and to bring joy to the world. But at the same time, there, there are some who, who don't want to be as involved. And, and this is a time uh, to put that anonymous uh, shtick away. Uh, you know who you are. I'll meet you out in the atrium following the service. Um, because there's plenty that can be done. And it doesn't necessarily have to be done here. It can be done many places, but we are called to be that light. This Christmas season, we have to make sure that we are sharing our traditions in a way that, that brings Jesus joy, that brings God joy in the way that we live and the way that we serve. I, uh, I love the, the last few parts of uh, this first chapter of John or at least verses 15 to 18, which I think we'll see on the screen. Uh, John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I'm gonna say that one more time because that that sentence I just love and I'm still trying to understand it. He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Uh, Many thought that John was the Messiah. And John's clearly saying, no, 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 no. This is the one who is, who, is, who was, and who always will be. This is truly uh, the word of God and the one uh, who's come that we might know God better. Uh, out of the fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father has made him known. So the word made flesh so that we might know God. The word came as the light that we might be enlightened. Having been enlightened, we are called to enlighten others by helping them to know God. It's, it's a very simple task we have and, and we just need to get at it and, at it and devote ourselves to it. One, uh, one quick uh, story before I finish with my closing illustration. Um, Frederick Buechner, uh, a great writer, uh, was working on a book and he went to a worship service where George Buttrick, the the great preacher, uh, was preaching and he was looking just to kind of get his mind cleared and Buttrick said something which really changed his life and his way of looking at Christmas. Um, And this was 60 some years ago but I I think it still uh, speaks to us today. Buttrick uh, got up in a sermon uh, and said that he had been um, um, questioned by a, a wonderful, well-meaning parishioner the week before as to whether he was going home for Christmas. And Butrick in the next week's sermon said, he asked me, are you going home for Christmas? And Beekton remembers that as Buttrick repeated the question, He did it in a way that brought tears to to Buechner's eyes and it made it almost unnecessary for Buttrick to even answer the question, which was actually that home finally is the manger in Bethlehem, the place where at midnight even the oxen kneel. And so my prayer for each and every one of us is no matter what city you are in, no matter where your journey takes you between now and December 24th and 25th, is that you are on a journey home and that journey is towards the manger. Uh, getting back to, to gift giving, um, this is an illustration that, that has always touched my heart and, and I hope it will yours as well. It's just a white envelope stuck among the branches of our Christmas tree. This woman shared no name, no identification, no inscription. And it has peeked through the branches of our tree for the past 10 years or so. It all, became, all came about because my husband Mike hated Christmas. Not the true meaning of Christmas, but the commercial aspects of it. The overspending, the running around at the last minute to get Uncle Harry and a tie and the dusting powder for grandma and all those gifts given in, in desperation because you couldn't think of anything else to give. Knowing he felt this way, I decided to bypass the usual shirts, sweaters, ties, and so forth. And I reached for something special just for Mike and the inspiration for me came in an unusual way. Our son Kevin, who was 12 that year, was wrestling at the junior level at the school he attended. And shortly before Christmas, they had a non-league match against a team sponsored by an inner city church. These youngsters dressed in sneakers so ragged that shoestrings seemed to be the only things holding them together, presented a sharp contrast to our boys in their spiffy blue and gold uniforms and their sparkling new wrestling shoes. And as the match began, I was alarmed to see that the other team was wrestling without headgear. We ended up walling, walloping them. We took every weight class. And Mike seated beside me, shook his head sadly, and said, I wish just one of them could have won. They have a lot of potential, but losing like this could take the heart right out of them. You see, Mike loved kids, all kids. And he knew them. Having coached Little League in football and baseball and lacrosse, and so that's when the idea for the present came to me. That afternoon, I went to a local sporting goods store and bought an assortment of wrestling headgear and shoes and sent them anonymously to, anonymously to the inner city church. On Christmas Eve, I placed a white envelope on, a, on the tree with a note inside telling Mike what I had done and that this was his gift for me. His smile was the brightest thing about Christmas that year and in, su- in succeeding years. For you see, each Christmas I followed the tradition, one year sending a group of mentally challenged youngsters to a hockey game, another year a check to a pair of elderly brothers whose home burned to the ground the week before Christmas, and so on. That envelope became the highlight of our Christmas. It was always the last thing open on Christmas morning and our children, ignoring their new toys, would stand with wide-eyed anticipation as their dad lifted the envelope from the tree to reveal its contents. As the children grew, the toys gave way to more practical presents, but the envelope never lost its allure. And the story doesn't end there. You see, we lost Mike last year due to dreaded cancer. And when Christmas rolled around, I was still so wrapped up in grief that I barely got the tree up. But Christmas Eve found me placing an envelope on the tree. And in the morning, it was joined by three more. Each of our children, unbeknownst to the others, had placed an envelope on the tree for their dad. The tradition has grown and someday will expand even further with our grandchildren standing to take down the envelope. Mike's spirit, like the Christmas spirit, will always be with us. Dear friends, I I pray for you that the Christmas spirit will always be with you. And for those who are in a time of darkness, look for that light, let that light shine around you that it might make a difference and embrace a tradition, the kind of tradition that doesn't just focus on you and yours but focuses on others and focuses on real and concrete ways that they could see God's love, they could know of God's love through what you do and how you act. Uh, We have been blessed by the gift of that light and we are called to be that light of others. May God bless you on your journey home to the manger and the light that you will shine along the way Amen.